Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. Welcome to Beyond the Rut, the weekly podcast about equipping and inspiring you to make your own path and live the life you've always dreamed of, Beyond the Rut. I'm one of your hosts, Jerry Dugan, and in just a moment, Brandon Cunningham is going to join us as we have a conversation with author and coach, Carrie Oberbrunner. Now, Carrie Oberbrunner has the website, carrieoberbrunner.com, and in this episode, we're going to chat with him about how he made a transition from working as a pastor, serving in ministry, saving souls, and and all that, and how deep down inside, he just felt that he could make a, a big impact and that he just needed to make a shift from working in ministry into coaching others on how to write and publish books. And that's what he does. Now, you yourself may be wanting to write a book, publish a book. Maybe you want to do that full time, but your current job just doesn't seem to give you the time for that. This is the episode to listen to. Kick back, relax, unless you're driving, then stay alert and keep driving and, and keep your head on a swivel. Uh, but listen to this episode, listen to the advice and the story of Carrie as he walks us through how he made that transition from being a pastor to being an author and then ultimately becoming a coach. And then just the books he's working on and unlocking your mind and hacking your brain and all that good stuff. Here we go. All right, Brandon, welcome back to your own show. I hope you've been doing well and recovering from the Hill Country State Natural Area, all that hiking. My calves and thighs now feel better. I feel like I awesome. can walk again. I actually got sunburn, and I remember <laughs> telling you I don't need sunscreen because I'm Asian. <laughs> exactly. It's not a good sound theory. Yeah, and, and my wife actually discovered the sunburn, and she said, let me guess, you told Brandon you're Asian and don't <laughs> need sunscreen, right? I was like, yeah. <laughs> I actually ran the other day, so I'm doing really good now. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But anyway, we're not here to talk about my sunburn and my trying to out-Asian you, but because uh, <laughs> I don't know why I do that every time. Uh, but we actually have a, a friend and guest on our show. He is Igniting Souls and Taking Names, and that's Carrie Oberbrunner contacting us from Ohio. How are you doing, Carrie? Hey, I'm doing great. It's exciting uh, to be with you guys, and we, we know some mutual friends, so I've, I've heard a lot of good stuff about you. Awesome. And uh, we've actually heard you on shows that I'm I listen to for sure. And, and, uh, so when Sarah McDaniel said, Hey, you got to get Carrie Oberbrunner on your show, my mouth hit the floor. I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a standing rule on this show too. If, if Sarah says do something, we just go do it. Yeah. We don't even it always work out good. She could probably get away with a lot on that. Like Jerry Brandon, you guys should wear pantyhose on your show. Like, like we're doing we're it. We're doing it. <laughs> yeah. Jokes on her. We're already doing it. So. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see it because it's an audio show. <laughs> uh, so, Carrie, I love to open up with an icebreaker just to kind of warm our audience up to you, to, so they get to know you a little bit uh, on a on a human level, a light level, and then uh, from there we we just start digging into the awesome stuff you're doing. Um, so, the question I wanted to ask you is: I mean, you look like somebody who kind of grew up in the '80s. Uh, oh, we yeah. did. And I know I had a guilty pleasure movie that if that movie is on, I pause the world and I watch that movie. I can probably quote every line from it, um, probably even pretend I'm in it. And that is the awesome movie Megaforce. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You're going to be mad. I, I don't even know what that movie is. It's okay. Oh. Nobody does. <laughs> I think my family almost divorced me when they saw that I have a copy of that movie now. And they're okay. like, really, Dad? That, that's your favorite movie from the 80s? I'm like, yes, it is. Um, so anyway, <laughs> what is your guilty pleasure movie from the 1980s? Oh man. Um, 
I bet you it's early 90s, but probably because that's when my parents let me watch movies, most likely, because <laughs> I kind of had a conservative family. But I love Dead Poets Society. Uh, and, and, and I'm sure it's like 91 awesome. or something like that. Yeah, it is close to so, Yeah, it was like yeah, 90, it's 90, actually 1989. It is a great is movie, though. Yep. You got it just under the wire. Wow. Look at that. Does that count as a guilty pleasure, though? Oh, that is such <laughs> such right. a great All movie, right. though. But, but if you want like a stupid one, UHF. Uh, yes. <laughs> there you go. With Weird Al and My mom. Kramer. Yes. Kramer played yes. the janitor. So, yeah, if you want, like, super deep Dead Poets Society, if you're just like, what is this dude talking about? UHF. Also UHF. a 1989 yeah. movie. Yeah, UHF. I, yeah. Yep. Yeah. You got them both in the same year. That uh, was a really good year for you, I guess. Yeah. Stanley <laughs> Spadowski. I even remember Kramer's name. Yes. <laughs> I wow. love – what better way to say I love you than with a spatula. <laughs> That's right. Spatula City. Yep. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. God. I make pancakes for my family on Saturday mornings typically and every so often I'll just say that line and my family looks at me like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, I failed my family. There is some good lines. Underwater <laughs> basket weaving and yes. uh, the badgers. We don't need no stinking badgers. Yeah. I Don't get me started. I could uh, probably start quoting things <laughs> weird. Definitely. Uh, now, to be That's fair, we got to know Brandon's favorite guilty pleasure movie from the 80s just – so Definitely. we take him down with us. <laughs> oh man, that that absolutely has to be the Breakfast Club because I could quote that oh, for yeah. years. You ever practice to pick your nose with your pen absolutely. using just your lips? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I, saying I tried it, but I mean, if I did, I actually I used to work with a lady named Claire. I don't know if she listens to the podcast, but uh, I never said this to her. But every time I would think about her or in a meeting, I would always go, "That's a fat girl's name." She was super skinny, so it wasn't wouldn't have been relevant there, but. You know, that, that's what you movie. want to edit right there. That's <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I stopped breathing, man. I'm like, <gasps> so, I wouldn't say it really, but you know, it's all good. So Can't anyway, breathe. I'm laughing too hard. Uh, <laughs> all right. So Carrie has absolutely nothing to do with 1980s movies whatsoever, but he's actually doing some really cool stuff in this century. Yes. So that's what we wanted to <laughs> mainly go. talk about. We're talking about now, now. <laughs> now, now. And I know one of the things that, uh, stood about, stood out to me about you is that, uh, you were a pastor. And yes. I know on a, on a recent episode of your, your podcast, Igniting Souls, uh, you mentioned that even among the folks that you pastored, when they learned that you also do business coaching, they didn't quite take you seriously and like they didn't see you in that role, but then you kind of went off and, and did business coaching and, and now you all, you coach authors and you have a group of authors who, who write a lot. Um, what was it that made you make that transition from being a pastor and going into what you do now? Yeah, I think it fits well with your podcast from what I know of it. And that is that I felt 80% alive in my day job. I mean, I, in some ways, I could have done it in my sleep, and that's not a brag. That's just, hey, when you do a job and you go to school for it and you like it, it kind of is something that you get good at. And so here I am, mid-30s, this was years ago, and I kind of say, what do I want to do with my life? I mean, I've got three kids, mortgage payment, wife, health insurance, safety, security, and 80 per, 80% alive means 20% dead. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, huh, there's this 20% of me that still is thinking, 
what else? What's next? And it kind of happened to me where the lead pastor said, hey, I think I'm going to retire, but I'm going to retire in 10 years because <laughs> I'm the founding pastor. <laughs> and so you look like a good replacement. So how about we announce to the church that you're the next guy and you kind of, you've already been here 12 years, <laughs> uh, but let's just kind of announce that. And then in 10 years, it's your, it's, it's your baby. Go sure. for it. Everybody needs 10 yeah. years head start knowing that. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I'm thinking, gee, I'm, I'm 35 or whatever, uh, you know, and that's crazy. You know, that, that means for the next 10 years, kind of some of the best years of my life, I'm going to watch and I'm going <laughs> to spectate and I'm just going to consume and, and take it all in. And he said, I want you to think about it and we're going to make an announcement because it's Vision Sunday. <laughs> oh, man. So, Some so long range vision there. <laughs> yeah, Vision Sunday. So here I am thinking, okay, I either lie and say, yeah, yeah, I'm the next guy because that way I keep my job. Or I say, you know what? That's just not for me. And and, and if, I know if I say that, the writing's on the wall. I mean, you can't say, oh, I'm not the next guy, but hey, give me my paycheck for next week. <laughs> so I just did a deep gut check and I said, no. I said, it's not in the cards. And I was ready then to start the, the clock, meaning they were nice people. They mm -hmm. did not kick me out. But I got so serious, um, Jerry and, and, and Brandon, after that. And I said, I'm not going to waste a second. I'm not going to go on deer hunts, bike rides. I'm not going to watch TV. I said, I am going to build a side hustle because I might wake up someday and that's all I got. Side hustle. And that was probably, yeah. it was probably 2011. Wow. 2011. I love and that because people that are not in the church world may not realize that that's fairly normal for a senior pastor to do that kind of stuff. It, it yeah. It's not good, but it is fairly normal. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is. It is kind of a weird scenario unless you grew up in that. But I love, you know, I love these people. Um, it wasn't like, oh, it was a bad church. You know, I mean, I, they actually gave me like a huge leash. They said, you know, you can speak, you can write. I had everything there, but I didn't have my freedom. And you kind of said, what movie do I like? And I do like Shawshank Redemption. And that was the metaphor of the movie that right. I, be, I was becoming institutionalized. Right. Where if you remember the movie like Brooks, the old guy, the prison actually starts becoming his mind. Mm -hmm. yep. and, I, and, I, and I did not want to get out, you know, in my 60s, 70s, 80s, sitting on the back porch drinking lemonade saying, I'm free, but I'm not free internally anymore. Yeah. I, I, what I love about that movie, too, is it, it's such a great testament to what freedom is. It's not yes. necessarily your physical freedom. It's it's your mental freedom. And for yes. him, he was put in prison by going outside the prison. He didn't know what to do with that. It, he just couldn't mm. deal with it. And, and isn't that true? I mean, I'm not saying you, all your listeners are like that, but it's almost like we want someone to tell us <laughs> what to do, where to show up what buttons to press because it's safe, it's secure, it's comfortable. Yep. When really, I don't know if you guys know this, but the word entrepreneur, it means bearer of risk. All right. And I that's, think that's why we had a guest once that described going into her job, and I used to do this too, as you'd walk up the stairs to jail 
And then you would check yourself back into the cell at like eight o'clock in the morning. And then at five, you would unlock the door and, and walk back down the stairs and get in your car only to come back and do the exact same thing again the next day. And it was, it was all about managing that risk because like what you were saying, if somebody else tells us, then it's their fault if it doesn't turn out exactly. good. If the church exactly. fails or the corporation fails, then it's that guy's fault, not mine. Yep. 100%. And so it was crazy, awesome, exciting to leave. <laughs> and I remember people saying to me, oh, so you're leaving. Well, well what are you going to do? And in the church world, you leave <laughs> by either having an affair or stealing money. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Right? I mean, nobody leaves and says, because I'm going to start a business or because I'm going <laughs> to ignite souls globally. You know, right. I didn't have a map. I didn't have a plan, but I had a deep passion. And I tell people often that clarity comes with action. Clarity oh, comes with action. And I also say that clarity attracts and confusion repels. And so what I decided to do was get extremely clear on what I call my VPS, my value proposition statement. Because that's what you're selling in the marketplace. You're not selling, oh, I want to help people. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> so even if you go to my homepage, carryoverrunner.com, it says right there, my value proposition statement. I am an author, coach, and speaker who helps individuals and organizations clarify, that's what I'm selling, clarity, who they are, why they're here, where they're going, so they can experience unhackability, become a soul on fire, and share their message with the world. And I mean, that's a mouthful, <laughs> but in that statement, there's about seven businesses, like micro-businesses that we have that are each six-figure businesses. So who I am is your secret name. Why am I here is the deeper path. Where am I going is day job to dream job. Experience and unhackability is Elixir Project. Sharing your message with the world is Author Academy Elite and Business Academy Elite. So like that's what I teach people. You need a value proposition statement. Then what you do is you bundle products and services based off that. And within there is what you offer the world. So how long ago was this that, that you kind of started out on your own away from the church? Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use Capshow to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long-form content, like podcast episodes or YouTube videos, into Capshow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. Capshow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash Capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. My side hustle, I got super serious in 2011. I announced in 2012 that I was leaving, and my last paycheck was December 31st, 2012. <laughs> I so, love that. Knowing when the last paycheck is is a real yeah. thing. It's like, I remember when somebody else stopped paying me. Right. <laughs> I had to figure that out. Yeah. I mean, then it was like, okay. And, and I have one of these wives who is, I, I love it because she's a realist. You know, some people are married to people who 
they're like, oh, honey, you can do whatever you want. You can, <laughs> you can lasso the sun, and I'm, and I believe you can. My wife's like, I, I believe in you, but you better bring home the paycheck. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? So, so I felt that belief, but I knew it's on me. Right. I better make this thing happen. That that's what I love about like my wife is that way. It's like I think that's a great idea. I bet you can probably do it. But it only counts when Bank of America says that it was successful. <laughs> right. Until then it's still just a dream. Somebody's going oh, to yeah. write you a check doesn't count. <laughs> oh yeah. Cause I mean some of your listeners can relate. Seven years ago, let me think here, twenty twelve, what are we? So six years ago I had a two year old a four-year-old and a six-year-old. Wow. So you can imagine that two, four, and six years old. I mean, it's not a time to just be like, well, let's roll the dice, you know? (laughs) Exactly. They don't cost much to have three kids, you know? That's that's a piece of cake. Yeah, three kids, six and under. People are like, you're going to leave what? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. So so you actually went to seminary, right, to become a pastor. Oh, yeah, man. I I got the bachelor's, master's, the doctorate. I mean, but zero business classes, <laughs> right. zero marketing classes. But like a lot of your listeners, they're probably good at something that they never went to school for. And I really believe that your listeners, their their credentials are their results. Oh, yeah, I mean, anybody can get the piece of paper. Right. Any you know, so I got a doctorate in teaching Bible stories. I mean not really, but it's transformational leadership. But right. but the point is that, you know, some people think, oh, I got to go get a uh, coaching degree and an MBA and this and this and this and this. Mm-hmm. All you're doing probably is you're compensating for your lack of belief. Right. I need somebody else to kind of stamp me. You're a exactly. teacher. You're a coach or you're a whatever. And it's like exactly. not necessarily because I know people that have, you know, a, a guy I went to school with. He has an archaeology degree from the University of Pennsylvania and he works on Wall Street. And he's, he, he went there and got that. And I don't know what his parents paid for it. No telling, but you know, and there's just people, I just met a guy the other day has his MBA, but he wants to be a coder with the software okay. company that I have. And, and it's just like, it, it's one of those things where you just realized, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to do coding and you know, and I'm like, that's awesome. Don't waste your life. Let's go for it. Right. Wasn't it Steve no, jobs who said that uh, a lot of the programming for like the fonts that he used, uh, came from a calligraphy class that Ooh. he audited. He wasn't even like enrolled in school. He just sat in a class of, on calligraphy. <laughs> and from that, he understood how to set fonts, spacing, type, and all that. And hmm. and that's how we enjoy the fonts of the world that we have today. <laughs> I like that. That's a, that is a good story. So, so you left the uh, church to go uh, chase this dream. When did yep. you know that? that you kind of had something that might actually feed your family and, and could turn yeah. into something sustainable. Probably right before he left his job. <laughs> right. I would hope right. so. Well, see, I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer of not just going in and telling your boss, you know what, I'm done and <laughs> go sit on the beach and figure things out. Like I believe one of the best strategies, and I, I tell this to my clients all the time, is I say, you better make it happen as your side hustle. If, if you don't have enough discipline to do it in the margins of life, like I woke up today, I didn't have to do anything. I mean, technically, you know, I didn't have somebody watching over, over me telling me what to do. If you don't form the habits in your side hustle, when you have all the time in the world, 
you're not going to do it then either. Yeah. So you kind of develop this muscle and, and you develop, Eric Reese calls it your MVP, your minimum viable product. Um, I call it marketing before you manufacture. A really good practical thing is for your listeners, create a one sheet. A one sheet is a who, what, when, where, why, and how, and actually sell that thing. Sell your coaching program. Sell your retreat. Sell your online course that's not even built yet. And what you do is you create a one sheet, a who, what, when, where, why, and how that'll force you to get super clear. And as you get clear, the true story is, guys, that I went to a, a leadership conference. I didn't even have the right clothes to wear. I mean, this was back in 2011. I probably showed up in jeans and a polo shirt and looked around and everyone was in suits. It's like that type of thing. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, and everyone went to the cocktail hour. But what I did is... At the lunch that day, I just, I, I'll, I'll, I'll chalk it up as, as God led me to this table because I sat at this table and everybody around the business table is like talking about books and they're saying, oh, you know, I wish, I, I wish I would write a book and I wish, you know, should I get an agent and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like sitting at the table and, and, and mind you, I had written four traditionally published books by that time. So that was kind of like my hobby in the side, right? right? And I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh my gosh, I know the answers, right? So so I begin <laughs> to not act like a know-it-all, but I begin to ask questions. And I say, well, do you know that if you do get an agent, they're going to take 15% of your contracts? Yeah. And do you know that you actually don't start writing your book? You should, you should probably start writing a proposal. Pretty soon they turn to me and they're like, where are you getting this, right? And I pulled <laughs> yeah. out of my... I pulled out of my briefcase, like book one, book two, book three, book four. And they're like, whoa. So check this out. This was at lunch. Then at dinner, they all go to the cocktail hour. I go up to the hotel room and I say, I better be ready. Because someone from that table may ask me tomorrow if I can have a coaching program for authors. So no joke, guys. Wow. I literally get out my computer and I type in who, what, when, where, why, and how. Who, you know, author program, what, a 10-week blah, blah, blah. And I literally just map it up on a one sheet. And yes, the next day at breakfast, two of the ladies came up to me and they said, we didn't see you at the cocktail hour, but we've been thinking all day about how you told us about that book stuff. Do you have an author program? And I said, absolutely, I do. Wow. <laughs> and I sold them on a $1,000 program. Wow. That wasn't created, <laughs> that I named a price, and I was like, again, a pastor salary. I mean, that was like the largest <laughs> thing in the world. It was like $100,000 in my head, you know? Yeah. And they said, we're in. <laughs> and I said in my head, oh, crap, no. Uh, <laughs> now i got to actually right? do more than one cheat. Right? <laughs> but I said, I said, fantastic. Well, after the conference ends, you know, we'll get started next week. And then that's all you need. That's all your listeners need. And once you, once you have that proof of sale, your confidence shoots through the roof. And now you're just thinking, how do I scale that? Mm -hmm. So fast forward today, I didn't plan it, but in 2014, two years after I left the church, I started my own publishing company. And now we have over 400 authors and, you know, many of them you, you probably would know of, but you know, it, it happens because you take action. You don't you don't get clarity by sitting in a room. Right. And I love the fact that, you know, all of that is risk. But if you don't do something, zero is going to happen. So worst case yes. scenario, you've wasted a piece of paper. 
You know, that's, that's yes. the biggest investment you've made is a piece of paper. And if nobody asks, you keep that piece of paper in your pocket. And nobody even knows that it ever happened. But most people yes. build up in their brain. Oh man, what if I go down there and I say, yeah, I've got a coaching program, but nobody wants it. You know, they're only going to give me yep. $5 for it or they're going to laugh at me or whatever. And it's, yep. it's mostly confidence to just stick it out there. And the good thing about sticking it out there, like you did, it's like, okay, now tonight or tomorrow morning, whenever it is you get back home, you got to write a coaching program and you got to yeah. figure that out. So pressure helped build some of that. That is the secret, Brandon. Right, Brandon? Right. Brandon's over here. Right. Jerry's yeah. over here. That's <laughs> what I thought. That's what I thought. I can't see Brandon, but I can see Jerry. But I'll, I'll just, no, I got you. I can see you both. He keeps now. doing that to me. But, he'll, jump, he'll jump off the camera. I'm like, dude. <laughs> that's right. But But that is the pressure you need. It is very hard to create a theoretical program for zero buyers. Right. I have a a ton of confidence. I struggle with that. I struggle with who the heck is going to buy this thing. (laughs) But when you have a buyer and you say, well, gee, I better get a week ahead of them because we got a lesson next week. That's all you need to be, just a week ahead of them. Right. The other thing, guys, is I call it the Jimmy Dean sausage strategy. Are you ready? Ready for this? (laughs) Yes, here we go. Is this copyrighted? That's right. I don't know. Maybe I should pay Jimmy (laughs) Dean royalties. But the Jimmy Dean sausage strategy is that, okay, let's say you do have your one sheet. Let's say you do have your theoretical program. People aren't just going to buy it. You have to raise their awareness. You have to make them hungry. Well, how do you make them hungry? Just like the lady at Costco or Sam's Club does. She gets in the Nice little section of the store. You're not even hungry. She starts cooking. You smell it. She, You walk by. She says, would you like a sample? You think, no, I shouldn't. But she hands it to you. You take it. It smells good. You try it. Suddenly, she says, hey, we got a two-for-one today. Here's your coupon. You walk away with two Jimmy Dean sausages in your cart. <laughs> it's you the go. same thing with the world, the economy, the marketplace that we live in today. People do not want a high barrier of entry. They do not want to say, oh, I'll pay you $500 for your coaching program even though I don't know you. So what do you do? There's a number of ways you can do this. We call it lead magnets in the online world. This could be an ebook, It could be a webinar. It could be a conference call. I do something monthly called the Igniting Souls Fellowship. I've been doing it for five years. It's in my town where I tell people at the very beginning, thanks for coming. You're going to learn this, this, and this today. However, I'll just let you know there's way more that I need to talk about than in the 50 minutes we have today. So I'm going to give you my very best. And at the end, if you enjoy what you hear, I'll share with you a next step if you'd like to go further. Fair enough. And that's it. And then you teach, teach, teach. You give, give, give. And at the end, no one thinks, oh, bait and switch. They think, oh, this is coming. And then, boom, you lead people not in a sales sheet. You lead people in an invitation sheet. And... You convert the the sale. Wow. Nice. So you're actually giving them something in that moment, in that conference call, that they could take away and utilize. So it's not like you even leave them hanging like, well, if you want the rest of the story, <laughs> you got you to join this uh, $1,500 program. And, yeah. nope. and you give them your very best. And they say, oh, my gosh, if this thing was free and he's giving away this, what will his paid program be? And then what, I, what we did, I'll tell you what, when I first started, guys, I was so desperate. <laughs> right you all everyone is you only have here's three kids at home no big deal <laughs> yeah yeah here's what i said this program is going to be so fantastic 
that if you, after 30 days, do not feel like it was worth 10 times what you paid, I'm going to give you a full refund and write you a check for an additional $100 just because I wasted your time. Wow. And I'll tell you what, man, <laughs> people, I probably had two people take me up on that in their, you know, in my whole life. But people are like, this guy believes it. Right. This guy believes it, man. He's going to give me an extra hundred bucks plus my money back. And I'll tell you what, man, people buy belief. People buy belief. Well, what I love about that too is kind of like you were saying, you, you know, the fear sets in because you're like, you've got to really blow the doors off of this thing because now you've yeah. said, I'm not only going to give you your money back if you think it was stupid, but I'm going to give you an additional hundred dollars that you probably didn't have and you couldn't afford That's to right. kind of give away. So now all the pressure is on you to step up. And it's kind of like yep. you were saying, you got to have that discipline in place ahead of time because you've got to now go to work. So you don't have to clock in at eight o'clock, but every day you got to get up and go to work because you've got to put oh, yeah. together a program that is worth their time. Absolutely. You know, and, and it goes, look, I'm not going to push anybody and harp on health and exercise, but I know for me, um, when I showed up and worked out in the morning, it, it, it discipline is contagious. And if you're disciplined in your health, or your exercise, or your sleep, or if you can't sleep, you get it fixed, whatever. I've been there too. But the point is that it, I love what Dan Miller says. Dan Miller is one of my friends. Uh, he became a business partner. But he says, a coach's best billboard is a well-lived life. Right. I mean, gee, there's nothing better than that. Yeah. In other words, not that you're not perfect, but that you admit your gaps and you close your gaps right. and suddenly people are like this dude something is different i mean i literally picked up clients in my first month at the park pushing <laughs> my daughter on a swing and I'll, and I'll tell you a quick story i'm pushing i'm pushing my daughter on a swing another guy's pushing his daughter on a swing and i'm like hey isn't this a great day and he's probably thinking oh he's gonna talk about the buckeyes because that's where i'm from <laughs> ohio state Right. Never heard. And, of I mean, because that's what everybody does. Everybody talks about the weather, the sports team. And I'm just like, isn't this cool that we get to come here and push our daughters? And the guy's like, oh, no, dude, it's not cool. And I'm thinking, whoa, what's going on here? He says, I had to sneak out of work today. He says, I don't even get to see my daughter. I got to sneak out because I'm traveling. I hate my job, blah, 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 blah. 30 minutes later, <laughs> he says to me, oh, forgive me. I've been talking for 30 minutes. What do you do? And I say, well, I'm a coach. He says, what does a coach do? What I just did to you for the last 30 minutes. He's like, can I hire you? Boom. You know? And, and, and that's the principle I call show up, filled up. Show up, filled up. What that means is you walk around so full, just like this little bottle that I'm holding here. You walk around so full that you have something to give people. Right. So many people are walking around empty and you can feel it. And when you're at the park, you can feel the depression that they have. You can feel the angst or the the trivial chat about the football game. Not that the football game is bad, but like you want to be an outlier. You want people to bump up against you and say, what is this dude about? Right. What is this lady about? And that's how you get your coaching clients by being an outlier, not by being fake, but by being present. Right. And that takes a lot of discipline too. You know, we, we know a guy that he's a financial uh, advisor or planner or something like that. And he's broke 
And he's been broke the whole time I've known him. He's never managed his money right. And I've never understood how he even survives because he's not very good at it. But I'm like, why would you hire an out of shape coach or a financially broke coach? Or, you know, it it just boggles my mind when I meet somebody like that. But I had a high school football coach and most football coaches are like this because I grew up in the 80s and steroids were still a very big thing during the 70s. So they were all fat because of the yeah. steroids and stuff from college ball. And I just never understood how are you coaching me and you can't get your life together. Oh yeah. Yeah. And even if people don't say that, we think it right. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and I know, I know I'm ruffling feathers right now. I know people are getting crazy, <laughs> crazy because on Facebook the other day, somebody posted pretty boldly like, Hey, and I mean, I don't, we shouldn't even go here, but I'm going to go here anyway. But, do it. Do well, it. That's okay. <laughs> There, we'll, we'll get some high ratings here because we'll get some haters. But, you know, on Facebook they posted, should you be a coach if you – and then fill in the blank. Just like you said, if you're broke, if you're out of shape, if you whatever. Mm-hmm. And everybody laid into the guy who asked the question and they're like, how dare you? I thought we as a society are past this. <laughs> you know, how do you know blah, blah, blah? And I'm just thinking, you know what? Fine. Maybe it's not politically correct to say it. And trust me, my life's not perfect. But the authenticity comes where you admit your gap. Right. right? And and that's that's what I'm about. I mean, you look at my book, Your Secret Name, it says, no joke, I used to be a cutter. You know, I used yeah. to self-injure as a pastor right. in my first pastorate. And I, I just lay it out there and say, you know what? I had some gaps, but thankfully... I had some truth tellers around me to close those gaps. Right. And that's what it's about. It's not about being perfect, but it's about having truth tellers speak in your life, identify your blind spots, and then close your gaps. So I love what you guys are saying. Well, I, th- I like how you put it. You know, the action really attracts because it's not that you're not perfect. It's that you're moving towards it, closing that gap. It's like, you know, yes. I have a problem with my whatever my my physical fitness but i see that you're working on it i see that you're you know belonging to a gym or whatever you know not sitting on the front porch with a pack of cigarettes and and mcdonald's going you know i'm I'm gonna help coach you on how to be a good you know nutritionally how to live your life it's like uh you'd be better off eating that bag than the food that's in it so (laughs) i don't think you understand what's going on here and, you know, right. and, and as a pastor, too, I follow that same thing. It's like, you know, they expect you to have the perfect marriage and the perfect family and everything mm-hmm. being perfect. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, I have gaps in my life. The, the key is to, like you said, get people around you that help you close those gaps. Yep. Because I always say, if you're the smartest guy in the room, you're in the wrong room. You know, get, get around right. people that make you better. Absolutely. Well, that is awesome. So I, kn- I know Jerry is dying to talk about the Elixir Project because – uh, he read it. We went hiking. He talked about it and just loved it and was, it was, uh, just going really, uh, as far as he could, but he kept leaving out major details because he didn't want yeah. to do any spoiler alerts. But in addition to doing all of this other stuff and the coaching sure. and stuff, tell us a little bit about how you got into this, uh, fiction writing. Yeah. So listen, um, Fiction, I don't even like fiction. You know, I don't even read fiction. So, right? I mean, that's what a lot of my clients say when they find out that I wrote a fiction book. They say, what? I don't even read. But here, here's, here's why I wrote fiction. I, I think here's one of the main reasons. One of the main reasons is that I do have a publishing company, and I got sick of people on webinars saying, 
well, your model only works for nonfiction. You know, as, as <laughs> if like fiction is so different that you can't create products and services around it and you can't monetize it. I mean, if you Google this, trust me, you'll find people that say that. Oh, wow. You can't, you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, has anyone heard of Harry Potter? I was going to say, yeah, nobody's ever made money off of fiction before. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, I mean, obviously there's some gaps there. But but so that's one of the reasons why I wrote it is I I wanted to just kind of tell, like be an example and not say, well, trust me, you could do that, but to actually model the way. The other thing is that I thought, you know what? It's getting too comfortable. I can write nonfiction really easily. Not that it's the best in the world, but... I know that strategy. I know that structure. Mm -hmm. And so what did I do? I actually had to take a fiction course. I had to take a fiction course. I had to start studying the, the craft of fiction. Listen, if you're not growing, you're dying, right? That's a Shawshank quote. And (laughs) neuroplasticity in our brains, they used to think just happened when you were a kid, you know, oh, kids can learn language. Kids can do this. Well, they've realized now you're, you're, brain has the ability even as an adult or an older adult for new neuropathways and that's what keeps you alive and and gets you out of the rut so writing fiction was one of the toughest things i ever did way hard um but i love it and i said you know what let's just not write fiction how about i be a 17 year old girl in the book yeah that's that's <laughs> you upped the ante on that one that was pretty cool <laughs> yeah. you have a I lot had, of experience had, there so you know <laughs> i had buddies of me saying like dude i'm reading your book right now and i i'm thinking of you and you're supposed to be a 17 year old girl this is really crazy <laughs> so i get it i get it but it was tough i mean it was the toughest thing i ever did but then what I decided to do, and Jerry knows this, is I decided to write a book about how our brains get hacked in a future society. Mm-hmm. And trust me, it's very close to happening. It's actually called a near future fiction book, not dystopian, meaning like way, way future, but near future because a lot of the stuff's happening. But then I said, you know what? Hacking means that someone or something gains unauthorized access to a computer or a system. Well, guess what? In real life, your brain is like a computer and your body, think back to biology, circulatory system, respiratory system, reproductive system, the whole thing. So your body and brain can get hacked, but not in a weird sci-fi way, but in a way that says, hey, I woke up today with a dream, but my smartphone hacked me and my schedule hacked me and my Netflix hacked me. How? It distracted me. It it changed my focus it gained unauthorized access to me so your dreams get hacked so then what i did is i said you know what? i'm going to create a product i'm going to create a product called the elixir project experience and it's all about how to become unhackable in work and life and we launched that thing and in the first six weeks we broke six figures with a fiction book wow. tied to a non-fiction course event yeah. experience it shut up all the haters, and it was a super fun. And we have something called the unhackability assessment where people can literally go in, and in 30 questions, they can find out how they're getting hacked and if they're getting hacked and in what areas. And it's just elixirprojectbook.com. And once you get there, you click unhackability assessment. 
And it's been awesome. Thousands of people have gone through it. That was the thing that blew me away about the book, Elixir Project. Because, I mean, it's one thing that you're tackling the idea of the uh, the main character is a 17-year-old girl named uh, Sienna, I believe. Uh, yep. And then as I read more and more, I realized, holy cow, he has found a way to infuse the concepts he teaches into the book. So idea Crazy. to focus, to flow. And I'm like, this is so cool. He's slick. This is so slick. Like, uh, because storytelling is a way that people learn, especially yes. in collaborative communal type of cultures. And, and so when I saw that, I was like, that is brilliant. You know, just you, you put uh, some abstract concepts into a concrete uh, setting yeah. by basically creating this near future dystopia. I, mm-hmm. Yeah, I loved it. I mean, I know Sarah McDaniel hinted that I should, you know, check out day job to dream job. And I'm like, yeah, okay. I, and, but my, my mind was kind of burnt, not burned out, but just kind of like I had read a lot of nonfiction books in a row. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I don't know if I could, I could put one more nonfiction book right now. And I remember Jeff Goins had done a portfolio life podcast episode about a year or two ago that said it's okay to read a fiction book and kind of relax the brain. And it does uh, along the lines of neuroplasticity. It kind of, stretches your mind in terms of mm. uh, creativity. So you start creating yep. these fictional worlds in your head and it, it allows you to kind of think faster. It's almost like, you know, dessert after the meal, you know, it, you eat this nutritious meal, but then you, you cleanse the palate with a nice dessert. And so that's why I said, okay, I know I probably should read day job to dream job, but okay, I'm, <laughs> I'm so curious about Elixir project. I got to read it. And I loved it. I was not disappointed. And, um, and, I mentioned before we started recording that I, I do need to get online and do the unhackability assessment. And I, I got a bad feeling some, some hacks are going to show up. I'm like, oh, man. Find out. <laughs> got to face the cold hard yeah. truth. <laughs> well, you know, and, and people read it and they say, or people do and they say, you're reading my mail. How are you doing this? But mm-hmm. it's true. I mean, we live in a society, there's been all different types of research. Some say that. We touch, click, swipe, tap our smartphones around 2,600 times a day. That's one study that's been done. Other people say it's much lower, maybe 12 times an hour. But at the end of the day, we live in a society that we no longer do, in the words of Cal Newport, deep work. We do at best distracted work, which means that, think about that. Would you ever go into brain surgery where the guy or the girl is doing distracted work. Now, you would never do that. Multitasking is is a myth. It's actually switch tasking. No one can do two cognitive things at the same time. So what they do is they switch task. When you switch task, your productivity goes down and you lose your IQ by 40 points, which is the same uh, level as being stoned. So most of us in life are walking through our day literally with the same IQ level as being stoned Mm -hmm. because we are trying to, I mean, I got, I got three kids. If, if two kids are talking to me on each (laughs) ear, I cannot understand them. I'm like, hold on, Keegan. Hold on, Isabel. Okay, Isabel, what do you want to say? God did not make our brains so we can do two cognitive things. Now, you can mow the lawn and listen to an audio book because one is on you know, autopilot and the other one is, is processing. But yeah, I mean this is why so many people struggle making their dreams come true mm-hmm. because they're slow baking it 
while their brains are <laughs> stone level, you know? Slow baking it. I'm using that. <laughs> Jamie, I right? need a t-shirt with slow baking it on it. I, I think what I love about that that concept that you, you just said, if, if that is true, then just being focused and taking some of that hackability out of your life would then propel you so much further okay. in your job, your family, your life, your personal walk, whatever it is, because you would Absolutely. be 40% more productive or aware or focused than almost everybody around you. I think you guys talked about getting sunburned in the beginning. And yes. maybe this is a great bookend here. You know, you started with sunburn and now here at the end. But, but yes, like think about your dream as getting sunburned. Now you can either go out and lay outside and it will take you three hours to get burned or you get the same sun, the same skin, and you get a magnifying glass. And in less than three minutes, you burn a hole in your skin. How? Same sun, same skin, focus. Yeah. It is the magnifying glass that amplifies the energy. We call it laser focus for a reason. <laughs> yeah. And so way too many entrepreneurs, way too many you know, people that are dreamers, they have five dreams. They're slow baking. They're laying out in the sun hoping that they get you know, burned or whatever from them. No, you need to get laser focused. And think back to what I said. I, I didn't go deer hunting. I didn't go biking. I didn't watch Netflix. No fantasy football league. I said – I got whatever, 15 hours a week margin as a dad of three. Those 15 hours, I am going to just bore a hole into my dream, just like Andy Dufresne in Shawshank. While everyone's sleeping, he's digging the side of the cell. Boom, breaks up, breaks free one day. That is so good. It, it kind of made me think of the 40%. You know, Michael Jordan used to say he felt like everybody else on the court moved about 40 to 50% slower than he did. So he mm, saw the game so much slower. That helped him be where everybody else thought they were going. He was there faster. And so it just puts you ahead in every every aspect. Well, this has been really awesome to get to meet you and talk to you and 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 hear all of this. How if somebody's listening to this and they're like, Well, how do I get in touch with you? How do I learn and uh, find out more about you? What's the best way to do that? What's your home address again? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Someday somebody's gonna give it to me. (laughs) Right. My website's carryoverbrunner.com, but I love to give value. And so if someone's here thinking, you know what, maybe a book's for me. Maybe I should write a book. I have a crazy massive training, absolutely free. There's nothing to buy at the end, but it's carryoverbrunner.com slash book, B-O-O-K. Uh, we did talk a lot about closing the gaps today. And guess what? My next event is called Close the Gap. And it's the com. I mentioned Dan Miller. He'll be there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I love to help authors, coaches, entrepreneurs, dreamers, speakers. But uh, you Google me, you'll you'll find it. And if I can help you out, I know you got a great audience. By the way, love on these guys. Give them a five-star review on iTunes. They're doing this out of the goodness of their heart. And podcasters – I, I know I'm a podcaster. We need reviews. <laughs> so I know you didn't ask for it, guys, but I'm just going to say as a fellow listener, go give him a five-star review. Wow. Appreciate that. I, I really appreciate the uh, love there. It is true. You, you know, we do this because we love it, not uh, for any other reason, really. And we want to see people make their own path. And, and I love the uh, the website, especially the one uh, slash book. There's free webinar. There's all kinds of tons of information on there for free. <laughs> 
He's not trying to get you to buy anything. You will you will be totally glad you went to that website and got involved with this. Awesome. If you like everything you heard in this episode, be sure to check out the show notes at beyondtherut.com slash 126 for episode 126. There you'll find links to Carrie's website, carrieoberbruner.com, as well as his coaching tools, his social media, and all that good stuff. I'll even put in a link there for a book that I read, uh, The Elixir Project because it was such a great book. I loved it. So, I mean, you heard me talk about it a lot in this episode. So why don't you just go ahead and click on that link to actually go get the book. There you go. There you have it. Now, we love that you joined us, and we hope that you join us again next week. In the meantime, share this episode with somebody you know, maybe a friend, a coworker, a family member, or that neighbor across the street who is aspiring to become an author. This may be the episode that helps them take that first step. Till next time, go live life beyond the rut. Take care. You know, the best thing I love about cap show is that they have one of the best communities ever as a cap show and myself. I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Capshow team today and join me inside that community.